Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Franz Tapon. This is a short introduction to this episode, which is part of a seven-part series with a Mozambican who is named Julio Maria Mujoro. He is a power coach, facilitator, and speaker from Mozambique. Make sure you listen to the other episodes if you've missed them. And this episode, by the way, is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash ftapon. Go there and get some rewards. Thanks. What struck you about the... Kenya and Tanzania, and maybe to some extent Ethiopia, what surprised you when you got there that was different than what you had known in Mozambique and South Africa? The flow. Oh, and sorry, sorry, you've also been to Zambia and, and uh, Zimbabwe, yeah, right? I've been to Zambia, Zimbabwe, right. Malawi as well. Okay, so I want to just go through quickly all uh-huh. those different countries, like what you got there, and you're like, huh, this is different from home. The first like, thing... And if I'm not mistaken, it comes down from being colonized by the Portuguese in case of Mozambique and the other countries being colonized by the British is the capital cities are really well developed if you compare to Maputo in terms of infrastructure, uh, organization, you know, stuff, roads, just the basic service being way better in those countries than it was in Mozambique. That was like what really struck me all, all day, every day. You know, you have been yeah. like good roads, um, you go into an hospital and actually having treatment, yes, with cues, but not as much compared with Mozambique. That was the first one. The second one was how... That, well, by the way, although I have not been to Maputo, you're uh-huh. right. I mean, I've been to other uh, ex-Portuguese colonies. And I mean, I guess Angola is an exception. Angola is a very rich country, so their their capital is actually pretty uh, pretty good. But, but I that's will not from the that. Portuguese. Sorry to cut you off, but that's not from the Portuguese. It's from them doing the business with other countries as well. Oh, I see. But and, you know? and a lot of it. I'm just saying that they got a lot of wealth from their petroleum. Exactly, exactly. But it's from them. That, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. In other words, they that wealth poured in, and so that's why I'm just yeah. saying it's not really Portuguese in that sense. I'm just thinking of yeah. uh, other Portuguese uh, ex-Portuguese. Well, you countries have Goa I've been to. in India. Yeah, yeah like, I've never been there. There. Have you been there? Uh, been no, there? no, it's my wish. Okay, it's okay. my wish list. There is Brazil. Right. I mean, there's Cape. There's Cape Verde. There is Cape. I'm Verde. thinking just Africa. There's Cape five Verde. of them in Africa. Cape, Cape Verde and Guinea-Bissau. Guinea-Bissau, yeah, which is a shit show. I mean, that place is. I mean, right in front of the fucking presidential palace, there are potholes in front of the president. I mean, it's like holes in the huge holes in the street in front of the presidential palace in in. Uh, and Guinea-Bissau, um, and, and Cape Verde is, is again kind of a is a kind of an exception because it's kind of a way out there. And what's yeah. and there's Angola, Mozambique, uh, Santo May Principe. Santo May Principe. That's right. You're right. That's it. That's the fifth one, and that's another uh, impoverished, uh, kind of screwed up uh, as far as infrastructure is concerned. Okay. So what other things that stepped set, set foot on oh, that that you thought were interesting? I think it's that, and I think it's also the respect for the rules that comes with those infrastructures, I think. Uh, most of my friends that I come to Mozambique, they go, do people here get reward for crossing the wrong side of the street? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's bully. You are in my country. Respect me. Um uh, but I think, yeah, because they have those, those nice infrastructures, they're so, they go really by the book, you know, like if you are in a museum and you're expect to take photos, people won't take photos. You know, when in Mozambique, you really need to cater to the people and don't take the photos. And I think there was also like, they're so like by the rule, you know, 
where Mozambique is more like, I mean, you want to like do it, you know, why, why live in the present, you live in the present sort of thing. And I think that's like right. the two main things that really struck me from the neighboring countries from Mozambique. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's, that's probably true. But again, that's relative because when you say following rules and that kind of stuff and, and oh, law abiding, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's relative to the African culture exactly. and African continent. Exactly. Because when you go to Switzerland, no. a Swiss person who goes to, to Nairobi, they'll be like, what the hell? Nobody follows any rules. <laughs> or a Japanese, a Japanese person will oh. be like, be like, no. you're saying that Tanzanians follow rules? Excuse me? What? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I was in uh, Putrajaya. It's the political capital of Malaysia. And they have cameras everywhere. And if you dare to just cross the street in the wrong place or throw, you know, uh, something on the floor, like in five minutes, you have a police uh, officer with you, really? scorching you out of the city forever. You get banned really? from the city. Uh, but the city is wow. beautiful. I mean, it's really beautiful. <laughs> wow, and it's quite wow, similar never... in Singapore as well. Mozambique has had uh, a lot of resources. I think recently they've been discovering petroleum there. Again. <laughs> Again, yeah. Again. Rediscovering petroleum. Like they found like another Yeah, reserve. F- yeah reserve of some sort maybe it's not petroleum maybe it's natural gas i can't remember what it was it was, it was both something. it was both and okay, there is discoveries around precious gemstones and um endemic rainforest as well right so once again mozambique <laughs> has a wonderful opportunity to catapult itself economically uh-huh. will it happen this time only the future will tell and what we do with it I always say that one of, at least in my opinion, one of the main struggles in African leadership, if we have that African leadership, it is because we have disempowered people in positions of power. So if you have people in a position of power who themselves, they didn't broke what I call the poverty cycle, when it's not just a matter of cash flow, it's a matter of mindset and understanding community and society, those people will perpetuate poverty from a power level all the way down to the bottom of the pyramid. And that's usually why you see so many corrupt leaders, even though there's already more than enough for them to have, um, but they don't feel as that. That's the point. And I feel, especially when people sort of go into that um, strain of thought, they usually think, well, they're just bad and mean people, which might be in some cases, but there is deep work that I believe it should be done or that those leaders should have um, done in the first place. But also calling the shots on us, the youth of Africa, we are the, going to be the next generation of leaders. And we do have a role in to saying how we would like to see our uh, resources used because in the end of the day, they are also ours. And I will argue every day, any, any day, that the African talent is the biggest, biggest resource that we have. And, you know, when we have Africans live in Africa forever, uh, that's when really we are sort of like uh, galvanizing the, the position of Africa as a developing continent and ever as a developed uh, nation and society as a whole. Got it. Um, so let me see if I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah. You're saying that the current power structure, the leaders, they come from wealth and comfort and they're just perpetuating that as opposed to if the leaders came from somebody who came from an impoverished situation and then rose up the political ranks and eventually became the president of the country, then things would have be different. Is that what you're saying? Or not necessarily. Okay. Uh, so for me, it's not necessarily if, if you're coming from a, 
a poverty or a more rich background, it comes down that if it in your mindset, you've realized that there is enough for everyone to go by, first and foremost. And for most of the places, regardless of where you are coming from, you can still hold into that mindset that I need to feed myself and my family, even though you already have enough to do that. Um, and if you go into other sort of uh, societies like India, when, for instance, you know, if you want to go into a position of power, sometimes you even have to ask permission from your family to release you from their duties, uh, from your duties towards them so that you can really serve the country as a whole. Uh, but if you compare with other um good politic politicians uh, or good uh, politics out there, it comes down for understanding that you are there to serve the nation and not just yourself. You know, it's the nation first and then you. But for you to be able to step into the role, you need to understand that you are not in scarcity anymore. You know, and that's the shift that even rich people, I have clients who are like extremely wealthy, but they still have this scarcity mindset that we need to get rid of and replace it to a more abundant abundance mindset. Does it make sense? Yes. Now I think I understand what you're saying, which is basically that they see the pie as being fixed exactly. as opposed to expanding the pie exactly. and helping uh, exactly. and helping expand the pie and, and realizing that we can generate more wealth for everybody exactly as opposed to just having to hoard the resources or hoard whatever economic gains that we have. And you think that that's something that is holding Mozambique back? I mean, I think so, because it's not just about having the president being, you know, fully uncorrupted. It's like everyone in the journey. And it was actually a discussion we, we used to have a lot in Mozambique around uh, nurses. So the salary that nurses receive is not, I mean, I told you it's like $120 per month. And, you know, they also have bills to pay. And something that was happening in um, some places, public hospitals, was that there was a fee for you to deliver a baby in an hospital that you need to pay the nurse so they can cater for you. And, you know, I do acknowledge how dishuman it is for you to not serve with someone, especially in that moment where you're so vulnerable. And I also understand that the environment is not conducive of you behaving differently. You know, so I'm not sort of validating that, but I, what I'm trying to say is that seeing from where they see, whatever they're doing is validated. And if you have a lot of people in those positions of power where they still think that the pie is fixed, it's going to be really hard to break the cycle. So it's more of a change of mindset that needs to happen, in my opinion, um, that then gets to be reflected in a change of actual resources that people are having access to in the end of the day. Okay, got it. And do you think that when you look at South Africa, mm -hmm. which is obviously a richer country than Mozambique as far as infrastructure and as far as wealth and yeah. as far as businesses and all that stuff. Do you see Mozambique closing the gap? And, and why is it that you think that South Africa is doing better economically than Mozambique? I wish I had all the answers. One of them, I'll assume. <laughs> well, that's why I called you. <laughs> you need to call someone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, your PR guy told me you have all the answers. No, I'm just kidding. You can't trust. You don't. You can't trust PR people. They always say, you know, <laughs> they're always selling more than they should. So <laughs> I'll right, think um, education is a big thing, and education is not just formal education; it's also exposure. Um, you know, because the more you know, the more you know there are options available for you. And something that I feel uh, 
the English-speaking colonized countries have than most Portuguese-speaking countries don't have is that clear exposure. Because we have a lot of foreigners coming to South Africa, way more than they come to Mozambique, not just for tourists, but for businesses, you know, because of like right. speaking English and all that stuff. And that really helps open up your mind in terms of what's possible. That's sort of like one of them that I see, like education, as Nelson Mandela will say, is like the base of any society uh, development. And the second one I feel is that and I really admire this from South Africans is their sense of unity. And like, we are South Africans, not necessarily, you know, we are from Johannesburg or from Cape Town, we are South Africans. And that unity really gets them stronger when in fighting Mozambique. Um, it's not that we don't see ourselves as one unique, unified country. It's more like the differences are so huge in terms of the countries. There's like stuff can happen in Maputo without affecting Nampula at all. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think there's also something that adds into the equation. Uh, and that, of course, associating with um, education. I mean, we were actually speaking with that with my siblings. So my siblings are older than me. And like each one of my siblings saw a different um, or grew up in a different Mozambican environment, you know, from like civil war, after war and all that stuff. And we were saying that there was this year in the north of the country where people were just so well-educated, but there was not like an industry to take them on, on jobs creation. And they were educated to be employees, not to have their own businesses. I mean, my sister used to speak three languages and a point she was, she speak Portuguese, English, and French. And like naturally speaking, right? But she didn't got that, for instance, an industry that will cater their talent and develop um, as an example. So I think there is also that um, to be catered taken you know in consideration the equation i don't like to use the past as a reference for the future because we've seen many countries define that and i think it's more around what we believe as a country that is possible for us and if we believe that is available for us and if you're willing to do it, the work to make it happen and if you ask me i feel most people prefer to say where they are instead of changing if that makes sense to mm -hmm. you yes it does and i think that yeah Africa needs more leaders like yourself to really help make some of those changes because I think that's the only way it's going to climb out of uh, its situation. Now, do you look at your crystal ball mm -hmm. and you're seeing the future? What do you think is going to happen in the you know Southern Africa, which is where yeah. you're focused on? You know, Mozambique and South Africa. Uh, do you see what, what what do you see in your crystal ball? For the next, let's say, 50 years. Oh, I see countries starting to work together as one and understanding that unlike many other continents, you know, we are so blessed to have so many countries in just one location and we're working more, to, you know, on our differences. I feel, you know, with digitalization and social media and all this stuff, we are getting way, you know, more and more aware of each other as countries and what we are going through. And we are super willing to, support each other in our endeavors so if i had to bet even i would say that more and more we will see more of like a proper african union that operates as such and if not like a whole african union at least the um, sadc being way more active and not active because of the governments are active but because the people they really understand each other and they're traveling within countries and they're getting to know their different realities and they're really coming together to work as one i would really bet for that all right. Inshallah, as they say. Inshallah. <laughs> Inshallah. Um, the first question I was going to ask you, and in fact, it's now going to end up being probably my last question I'm going to ask you, is, you know, looking at uh, the perception of Africa mm -hmm. as a continent. And when you travel 
as you have all over the world, what is the biggest misconception that you would like to shake foreigners, non-Africans, and say to them, hey, this common belief, this widespread belief about our continent is wrong, misleading, etc. What would that be? What would you like to... That Africa needs to be saved. I feel most people end up actually failing to help Africans because they have... They come with this sense that Africa needs to be saved, that we don't know what we're doing. And if you stop to think, for many African people, um, our life is not horrible. We know it needs to improve, but for most of us, it's not horrible. So having someone that's not African at all or haven't lived in here come in us to tell us what's right and what's wrong, it's like, I mean, you have your own house. I mean, the United States is not a, the paradise, you know? You have your own problems. Why don't you work on that? And maybe you want to share your learnings with us and we get to decide how we are going to implement that and where we actually want to go. Because the whole saving thing comes from thinking that we are the victims and there is, you know, an ideal and we need to go and navigate towards that. And they might not be what the Africans themselves want. And I'm not saying that Africa doesn't need help by any means. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying it's not, it's not saving. It's collaboration and co-creation um, that we really need in the end of the day. Commerce. Exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, it is because, I mean, it is. So who should hire you? So it's people who understand that life is not just about making money. It's about making money, yes, because you need to live your life and you should live your life the best way you can. But you're also inclined to do uh, to serve and have an impact in the world, a positive one. And you are willing to do it from a place that feels right for you. Because I feel we, you know, the American dream, that's not for everyone. No, everyone has the American dream. We need to start being honest about what our dreams and what success looks like for us and be willing to do their work. That might imply you need to let go of some limited beliefs. That might imply you do different strategies, but you need, it's like that combination of impact, income of integrity that um, all of my clients, they have, and that's why they succeed in the end of the day, regardless of being a corporation or an NGO or a government or uh, an entrepreneur growing their business. Where do you want to expand your business? Yeah, so right now we work mainly with one-on-one and some small and medium-sized organizations. Um, and I feel that we've been playing very well on one-on-one power, um, you know, sort of like frontline power management. I'm really keen to go deeper into, you know, that people are saying people in positions of power, they are still disempowered to make a change. That way, it's just easier for us to manage our power in a way that feels good, not just for us, but for everyone around it. Does it make sense? It does. I'm just trying to imagine somebody who's listening to this and says, yeah. okay, why, sh- why sh- should I hire Julio? You know, what situation could I recommend Julio? Like, they're just give me a practical example yeah. of to help somebody, you know, decide when to send you an email or call you and say, hey, mm. I really could use your help here. For sure. So there is, for instance, entrepreneurs who was, who, either are completely stuck and they have no idea where to do next, or they have this big dream and they just don't know how to get there. And for organizations who, and I found, especially with medium um, and large organizations, sometimes the leaders are so well-intended, they just don't know how to navigate an organization that seems to be stuck in their way. So there is like a lot of fear within the organization. Mistakes happen all the time, the same mistakes again and again and again. For me, that's clearly like a knowledge system um, issue that can be solved, but it comes down 
specifically for the vision of that you have, not necessarily about your current situation, but if you have a vision that you know is bigger than yourself and you are ready to play full out because believe me, I will challenge you, um, then I'm the right person to call. But you need to have that vision or at least willing to have it and willing to do the work to make it happen. Got it. How can they find you? As a good millennial, I'm in social media. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Julio Mujoro. I know that's hard. So it's J-U-L-I-O-M-U-H-O-R-R-O. Or you can find my company, Sharing Knowledge International on LinkedIn. You'll find like a beautiful logo there. That's me. Head me a message. I'll be happy to chat with you. I'll put a link in the show notes. I really appreciate your time, Julio, and I wish you the best. I, I, I sometimes fall. I, I, I go into both sides of the fence with Africa. Sometimes I'm like just like super positive, super upbeat, and other times I'm like, oh god, what a disaster! This thing has got so long to go and get their act together. They got so many issues and problems, and how are they ever going to get out of this hole? But when I talk to people like you, I have hope and confidence that they're going down the right track because I think somebody like you as a leader, you're going to make big changes. And I think that that's, I really salute you and I hope you do really well. In fact, I don't hope, I know you're going to do very well in life. So Thank you so much, Francis. Then my job is done. You have hope now. Yes. You can now (laughs) retire already. You're done. I've given you your your blessing and have a nice day. (laughs) Absolutely. It was only so easy. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn. Thank you.